Hi, I'm Philip Santillan, pastor of Clarity Church, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen or view this podcast of a message from one of our Sunday gatherings. Before we get going here, I just wanted to communicate to you the deep conviction we have regarding this message. This free message resource is not intended as a broadcast ministry, which would create virtual attenders listening from home rather than getting involved in their local church. We hope that no matter where you are on your faith journey, that this podcast is only supplemental to your relationship with the Lord and in no way replaces the local church that you should be plugged into or the pastor God has put over your life to lead you and care for your soul. So please enjoy this incomplete portion of this past week's gathering. We have prayed that God would use it in a profound way in your life and that from it, you would gain clarity on who Christ is. Hey, well, good morning. Good morning and uh, welcome to our gathering here. If this is your first time with us, my name is Phil. I get the wonderful opportunity to be one of the people who call Clarity home. And I get the also awesome opportunity of being the pastor of this church. And I just want to welcome you if this is your first time. This is one of our gatherings that we, we hold. For those of us who call ourselves Clarity, we work really, really hard. And we do these types of things because we simply want to help people find clarity on who Christ is. And so if you're visiting with us this morning, we're so glad you're here. And, uh, uh, and, and so uh, just welcome, to be, welcome here. And so now before we get any further, I, I'm a little jumbled because we have this new thing out uh, that, that we just kind of started. And Gary Packard has really been helping with this, but we've been offering a digitized version of our programs. And so uh, we're so excited to, to announce that inside of your version Bible app, you can find all the notes, all the scriptures that, that, that will follow along with our talk today. And so you can take your own notes in there. I know many of us, you know, are, are a new generation type of person. And so uh, and, and announcements, all that kind of stuff, you can find those in there. And you can find our website. And you can find Bible plans that go along with our talk. And so you're going to love it. And so the first thing, uh, first couple things uh, for you to do is just to access it. One is to access it. And so make sure you have the newest version of the, um, the, the YouVersion app if you haven't updated it in a while. And, uh, and you, can, you can go to the app store and just click update. Um, also, um, and you can go ahead and you can, you can pull out your phone in church. Okay, I know. I know it's weird, okay? But you can go ahead and do that. And uh, secondly, if you click on more and go to events uh, and then click on the map, or sometimes you'll just see it right there in the bottom, it'll say Clarity Church. So you can find that right away. Um, and also, if you, if you don't have maybe a mobile phone, you don't use an app and it doesn't feel like you're really smart, if you go to the website, weekly.claritychurch.org, you'll get the online version, the web version of that, and you can follow along with us. And so if you don't have your Bibles today, that's fine. Um, also, you can pull out in, in, in the inside of your program, um, there's a little insert there for you to just follow along with us. Now, today, uh, before I sit down, we are in between two series. We just came out of a series called Everything is Awesome and Nobody's Happy, and we talked about how we navigate life's unmet expectations, and so we're not going to go talk about that because we just finished that. Uh, but next, uh, next week, we're going to be starting a new series called Family Matters, and uh, um, the subtitle is, Did God Do That? Um, no, teasing. For those of you who grew up with Steve Urkel, Family Matters, you get it. Did I do that? See, Gary, that's why I didn't do it. See, nobody laughed. Nobody gets it. Um, so you got it. Thank you very much. So, but next week, we're, we're going to be starting a new series called Family Matters, and it'll, be, and it'll be, this is the main premise, looking at life through the lens of God's family. What does it mean to live life if we truly are part of 
God's family. And so for those of us who call ourselves Christians, it's really important for you to be there. And if you're skeptical about faith and Christianity and the Bible, this would be a great series for you to come in and see if you can get all your questions about how church is supposed to act, how Christians are supposed to act, really, if they say that they're part of the family of God, who serve a God who's loving. And, and so anyways, it's just a real great series. We're really excited to be, for you to be a part of it. Now, today, I want to talk about something very special. And uh, before I talk about that, um, I just want to uh, start it off by, by maybe just kind of easing our way into it. And so I want to talk about story real quick. Now, story, everyone knows stories are powerful, right? Stories are powerful. And, and in every great story, there's a moment in that story where we learn the character's past and we understand what motivates him or her. And, uh, and this, is, this revelation is called what? The backstory, right? The backstory. Now, uh, we all know what this is like when we, you know, when we watch a movie and we, we meet a character and then all of a sudden it goes back in time, right? And you get the backstory and you learn all about, about it. And, and, and what happens is when you know a character's backstory, it, you know, it just, it makes it, it, makes that movie even more meaningful. You can understand where they're coming from. I mean, Jason Bourne, right? And like, I mean, we're, there's another one coming out, right? And why can we keep on telling this crazy story? Because the backstory is so strong. A young man stolen by the government. And you know, I mean, like, and so the backstory is just so great. And you can just continue to make great stories out of it. And, uh, and, and what's true about fiction is also true about our everyday lives, right? You have a backstory. I have a backstory. You know, if we look at your life just right now, you know, and I define you for who you are right now. Some of you are, you know, like be proud about that. But most of you are like, you know, look, you got to understand, like, I know my life, you might think it's like great or you might like think my life is what it is, but you got to, you got to, you got to know how I got to where we got to, right? And we, we feel compelled to tell people our backstory. And, uh, and, and, and this is true about your life. And, and here's the thing that we know about backstories. Backstories bring clarity to and connection with a current story and a story yet to be told. Backstory brings a clarity to and a connection with a current story being told. I mean, this is, uh, if, if that doesn't make sense, let me illustrate it in this way. This is the reason why we have book clubs, uh, Comic-Con, uh, Star Wars, and Star Trek uh, conventions, and don't mix those up, right? Why? Because, because, okay, I had a roommate in college, and he was the Star Wars fanatic. He had a whole library full of books based on the Star Wars movie. And I remember one day asking him, I was like, I was like, Eric, like, what are all these books for? I mean, I've seen all the movies. This can't possibly be the movies and book. He goes, no, no, let me tell you, man. Like, these are the books that talk about the story that goes on. I'm like, but there's no story that goes on. It's just the movie. And he's like, what do you mean there's no story that goes on? Everybody knows about this. And I think that's why he got really mad when they introduced midichlorians and the new ones. He's like, those were never in the story. Why? Because when you get a, when you get a great story that has a great backstory, it not only helps you love the story that is, it begins to, to create this excitement for the story that could and should be. This is why after you go see a great movie, you sit around Buffalo Wild Wings and you talk about what could and should have happened and like, oh, and you know, like, well, if they only did, and you're talking about it like it's a real person and it's just a movie. Why? Why is that? Because backstory is really important. It gives clarity to a current story that you fell in love with, but then what it does, it gives you a connection with a possible future. That's what a good backstory does. Now, um, a great example of this for me uh, is understanding 
really how the church began. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, there's, there's a really great passage, and, and this is actually our, our, our memory verse of the week. And, and when we get to the end here, um, I'm going to kind of do a Kaiser Soze, if anyone sees an unusual suspect. I'm going to start at the beginning and at the end, and then we're going to kind of work our way back. And so hang with me. This will all make sense. And you're going to be like, oh, no, Kaiser Soze, that was him. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, it doesn't make sense. That's fine. Uh, but this is where we're going to start, and then it's where we're going to end. And it's this verse right here, Acts 4.32. And this is like right in the beginnings of the church. And it says this, all the believers were united in one heart and mind. And they felt that what they, had, what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. Now, in of itself, that's just a pretty amazing thing, right? I mean, that people, especially for us as Americans, that would, that would, that would get this idea that what we had wasn't our own. In fact, people who live like that, we often... You know, we, we often consider them saints, don't we? We look at people like Mother Teresa, and we look at people who, who live this way, and, and everything they have is for the, for the sake of others, and, and, and this seems really distant, but this is something that happened early on in the church. But how do we get there? How did, how did the church get to this place? Because this church doesn't sound a lot like maybe the church that you grew up in, the church that you heard that all it wants is your money, you know, they would tell you, yeah, it does, it's not your own, it's ours, right? And, and maybe that's what you grew up with. Well, how do we get here? Well, I think it's just really interesting. Look at what, just a few chapters back of what happened to get us to here in Acts chapter 2. The story goes on like this. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Uh, real quick, uh, Peter, Peter was the guy, um, some of you might be story, familiar with the story, he was the guy who, um, you, know, uh, you know, walked on water, all that kind of stuff, and he, he spoke this amazing message. He got up and he basically said, look, Jesus came, you killed him, say you're sorry. <laughs> and that's basically was his message. And he came here to save you, and, and, and here's what happened. And this is what happened over and over and over and over again. And this is still what happens today. And this is why we feel so passionate about people who make professions of faith in Jesus Christ. And we encourage them to be baptized because history tells us that people who profess their faith in Jesus Christ, when the gospel is preached in a way that is fully known, when people fully understand the gospel, it makes sense. Like, I'm going to accept Christ as Savior and then I'm going to get baptized. And this is what it says. Added to the church and they're baptized. 3,000, 3,000 were baptized that day. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship and a sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which, by the way, I'm not slamming maybe your history of liturgy, but if you want to be like the New Testament church, communion wasn't taking place in a holy tabernacle with priests and blah, blah. They were, they were, it was originally done in homes, okay? And so, and so, I, and I always tell people, I said, I, it wasn't until I got older did I realize, because my, my dad took this to heart. And once a month, we would have communion at dinner time at, at our home. And that's just what I knew. I didn't know any different. That I didn't realize that people like venerate you know, uh, communion as something just be so holy. But anyways, that's beside the point. But here's, here's what's going on. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So this is the backstory. This is what's going on. I mean, imagine a church, imagine there's nothing, and then all of a sudden a 3,000-member church just springs out of nowhere. I mean, this is the reason why 
people just felt so overwhelmed, like God had done such a miraculous thing among them. And this is a great backstory. Peter proclaiming boldly in public this, the, the gospel, putting it all on the line so people could know the truth about Jesus, and it resulted in a huge number of people becoming followers of Jesus, getting baptized, and then, and then, then they themselves, just like Peter did, putting everything on the line because Jesus was, was, was their Lord and Savior. And that's the reason why. But, but what's the story behind this story? I mean, what do we know about Peter? I mean, let's look at a conversation that Peter had just shortly after Peter and hundreds of other people had an eyewitness of the risen Savior. You know, they had witnessed Jesus die. They saw him in the tomb, and then they saw the alive Jesus. And, and, in, and in John 21, it says this. It just is a really great conversation. I think it's just fun to listen to. And if you don't read your Bible, you are missing out on some of the greatest dramatic elements that I think you can ever find. Just check this out. Um, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter. Now, before we get here, you just have to read the rest of it. But it's an absolutely crazy thing. So you know, the disciples, you know, uh, they were just kind of like twiddling their thumbs. What do we do? What do we do? And Peter goes, yeah, I'm going to go fishing because that's what I do, you know. And, you know, a lot of men in Minnesota are like, amen, <laughs> let's go fishing, right? Amen. <laughs> when you don't know what to do, go fishing. Uh, so Peter was a smart guy. So this, I'm going to go fishing. And they went fishing. They weren't catching anything. And all of a sudden, a stranger comes out and says, hey, cast your nets on the other side. And everyone's like, Pah. I mean, we've been here for all day. Like, seriously, just the other side. And then, and then their nets were breaking, and then they found out it was Jesus. And then Peter basically, he jumped out of the bed, left uh, the boat, and left all the guys in the boat and said, I'm going to go see who this guy is. And he, they meet up with Jesus, and, they, and he's like, oh, my goodness, it is you. And so and then they have breakfast together, and Jesus tells them to bring the fish over here, and then he cooks it and all that kind of stuff. So you just read it yourself. But here's where we come from. And Jesus is making this breakfast, and he goes, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Now, this is really interesting to know. His name was what? Peter. That was the name Jesus gave him. And so every time Jesus calls him Simon, <laughs> he kind of, it, it's, you have to kind of catch the backstory behind here. His name was Peter, as often as I knew. But it was almost like you got called by your middle name. Anyone ever got called by your middle name, by your parents? You know, first and middle name, Brendan Andrew! Yeah, he'll probably come running in now because he thinks he's in trouble. <laughs> That's my son. But this is kind of like Jesus was wanting to get his attention. Simon, son of John. Oh, okay, Jesus, you just kind of took it there. All right, I thought we were having breakfast. Do you love me more than these? And the word for love there is, is, this, is this Greek word, um, uh, agapao, which is a derivative of agape, and which means it's the same love that's used in John 3, 16. Anyone familiar with that verse? For God so agapeo, the world, love the world. God loved the world. And so Jesus was saying, hey, do you love me like I love you? And then Peter goes, yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you like a brother. <laughs> That's the word, the love there is phileo. Totally ignored it. Totally ignored it. And Jesus, seeming as though he totally missed the cue that Peter couldn't say back to him exactly how he loved him, ignored it and said, oh, well then, feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeats the question, Simon, son of John. I'm like, all oh, right, okay, Jesus, what you doing? Do you agapeo me? Do you love me? Peter, he's going, yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I phileo you. I love you like a brother, you know what I'm saying? You know, we tight. Jesus he didn't say it again. He couldn't say it back. And Jesus 
seem to kind of ignore the fact, and I don't know about you, but if your wife tells you, honey, I love you, and you go back to her and be like, I think you're pretty cool too. How many of you know things won't go so well? (laughs) But this is kind of the equivalent of what's going on here. But Jesus looks at him and says, then take care of my sheep. And a third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Jesus changes his words. And so Peter took it probably like how you would take it. What do you mean? I just told you twice. I mean, Jesus, you know I can't love you like you love me. I just watched you die on the cross for me. I can't do that. But I told you, I phileo you. Now you're questioning whether I phileo you or not? And that's why he said Peter was hurt. But Jesus was asked the question the third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. Come on, Jesus, you know. You know that I phileo you. And Jesus said, okay. Let me tell you what I told you the first time. Feed my sheep. Now, by itself, this is a very interesting story, and we could talk all day about this. But when you understand the backstory, it helps you understand better what's going on. You see, go back just a little bit further, and it was before Jesus was crucified, and Mark, Mark says this in Mark 14. This is what he has to say about this account. Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard. One of the servant girls who'd worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, you were one of those with, with Jesus of Nazareth. Peter denied, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out the entry, just then a rooster crowed. And when the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling others, this man, he's definitely one of them. And Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you're Galilean. You can tell by his accent, some translations say. And then Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. This is the same Peter who said he loved Jesus. The same Peter who stood up in the middle of the courtyard among thousands of people boldly proclaiming that who Jesus was, this was the same person who, this, this person was the same person who also said, I don't know who he is. I'm not associated with him. See, See the tension there? The backstory? It gives you greater clarity on the, stir, the stir current story and it helps you understand the future story as well. And Jesus asked Peter if he loved him as he'd loved him. Peter replied in the most truthful way. Three times Peter answered in the reality of what he knew about himself. <laughs> I, I, I made that mistake last time. And... Uh, because, you know, if you look, look at John 18, I mean, uh, this was the same guy. Peter is the same guy who said this. I will die for you. I will die for you, Jesus. I will die for you. This is also the same guy that said, well, Jesus, if you're going to wash me, you're going to have to wash all of me. Because, you know, that's how I roll. You know, I'm all in type of Peter. He's also the guy that said, Jesus, if that's really you, which none of us think it is, <laughs> then tell me to come out and walk on the water. <laughs> Now? Okay. This is the same Peter, right? Peter, Peter, who was all in. He was the most dedicated. He was the most sold out. And if Jesus was to ask him prior to the crucifixion, prior to his denial, Peter, do you love me? Peter would say, I agape, a, 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 yo, you, Lord, you know it, right? 
But something about between that time and the time that he preached in front of all the people, something different happened. What happened? I think, I think Peter learned a lot about who he really was. And the honesty about who he was, even standing in front of Jesus, who was saying, do you agape me? He, he knew he had to be honest. And he was just honest with himself. And he said, God, at most I, I phileo you. Like, if you're just asking me. And so when you read Acts 4.32, we run into a people who, see, who seemingly seem to be doing something extremely rare and not normal. But in light of the backstory, really 4.32 was just the beginning of what happened in the life not only of Peter, but the rest of the people who began to understand the backstory of Jesus, the disciples, and what it took to get to where they were at. And that power of a backstory is something really, really powerful. Now, I say all that for this. If you're like a real Bible person and you're expecting an exegetical dissertation upon this passage of scriptures, you're not going to get it this week. I'm actually taking a little liberty. I'm doing what's textual, topical, speaking on this. And so just give me a little liberty. But I'm using this to illustrate a point that I really want to talk to you today, especially if you call Clarity home. If you're visiting, uh, here's what you get to do. You get a little inside track on something that I believe God is wanting to do through clarity. Now, back to what I was going to say. Here's a little backstory. Back in 2013, uh, we who were clarity, there was a 35 of us, right? There was 35 of us, and uh, there's 35 people on a launch team. We kind of got together. We didn't know each other. <laughs> uh, we, we barely knew each other. I remember first meeting Krista in a park, and, uh, and we were just like, hey, let's do this thing. All right, cool. Yeah, I love Jesus. How about you? Yeah, I love Jesus. <laughs> How about you? Yes, I do, right? And so we just kind of like all got together and we're like, hey, yeah, we believe that God wants to start new churches. We believe that it's worth it. If church planting is what reaches people who are far from Christ, the best, why would we not want to do that? And so 35 of us got together uh, and, and we, we started this thing and, and we, were, we were resourced from our parent church and then poorly resourced by my own personal fundraising. <clears throat> I, I go down in history as the worst fundraiser in the Minnesota Grace Church Plant Network. But anyways, that's not something you should brag about. And when we launched, we had no small groups. We had no way to get people connected to us. Um, there was not nearly the quality of worship gatherings we have now. I mean, I mean, how about, what about this band? Were they great today? I mean, goodness gracious. I appreciate their hearts and man, just working all. I mean, they, I pity them. I, I pity them because I, I, I throw these like weird looking charts in front of them and they, and they don't complain too much and, and they still learn and they, they learn the music and they, it's, it's great. Um, and, but you know, but we had, we had okay music, but it was near nothing like we do now. We're not, not all this stuff. And, and, and we had leaders with great hearts, but if we were honest with ourselves, we were, we were all making it up as we went along, <laughs> but God blessed us for those of you who remember being there, right? Remember all that we don't have all the chairs set up. There are more chairs back there. We had every single chair that this school possibly owned set up. And we had standing room, people all around the edges. We had over 230 people just here in our gathering. And it was absolutely awesome to see what God did. And then over the next several months, we averaged 120 people. Some of you remember that. It was like, man, that, yeah, that was, that was the good old days. We averaged 120 people over the first few months just at our gatherings. And, uh, 
And then what we were most excited about was that just even, just even that year, that first year we existed, 21 people made first-time decisions to follow Christ. And how do you know that, Phil? Because I, first of all, in the back it said first time, and then I said if you're making a rededication, um, that's not really a decision to follow Christ. It's called repentance. And so don't check the box, but we're glad you did it. But if you've never said yes to Jesus, and so we had 21 people check that box, and, and, we, and isn't that great? I mean, wasn't, didn't God do something great? I mean, this is 35 people who knew absolutely nothing. We, didn't, we, didn't, we, we were barely resourced. We were barely resourced. And, you know, and if it wasn't for our parent churches that helped us, we would, have, we would have been gone in six months. But God was faithful. Now, contrast that to a church that I know of. What if I told you that this fall, a church of about 70 fully engaged people, fully resourced, established communities and a way of doing life with each other. And they had great musicians and they had a great vision and, the, and they knew how to do cafe and they had a, a great production team that, that literally, you know, they knew what they were doing. There was no one wondering like, how does this work? And how does this, I mean, they knew what they were doing and, 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 and if they had experienced leadership in place. In fact, this church is, 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 is getting ready to launch, and they already have a board. They have a governing board. They have a finance team of a, a, a treasurer and a bookkeeper. And, and thank, you know, thank God the pastor's not doing the finances because it would look dumb. And so, but you know, what if I told you that this, church, this was a church that was launching in the fall, and, and it had a fully staffed and remarkable kids ministry? What kind of church do you think that would look like? What kind of things do you think God could do with a church like that? What kind of launch would that look like? And some of you kind of know where I'm going. What if that could be us? What if that could be us? And some of the things that we did in the beginning, we haven't done since. But what if we took a look at this fall and began to say, you know what? We believe that God is not yet done reaching people for Christ. What if? And so one of the things I want to announce today is this idea of relaunch 2016. And it's a two-part thing that I hope that if you call Clarity home, that you would jump on board with. Because I believe God is not yet done using us for his gospel, for his sake. Do you believe that? I believe he is not done yet. And so here's two things I just want to suggest. First thing is called the 432 Prayer Initiative. Okay? 432 Prayer Initiative. This, uh, Jean, this is not like the Isaiah 58. Okay? So this is a, there's a, there's a preacher guy on TV who was like, in Isaiah 58, it says, and I don't even know what it says. And then he said, so if you give $58, every one of you, God will bless you. And from the well springs of life, he will give you. <laughs> right? And uh, this, so, so now if you ever hear us going like, dude, don't 58 me. That means like, you know, don't lie to me or whatever. This is not this. This is actually corny. It's not trying to be smart. But here, here's what we're going to do. And you can even do this now. You can even do this now. But here's what we're going to do. All of us, we're going to set our phone. You can pull out your phone now, and you're going to set your alarm for 4.32 p.m. You're going to set it to ring every day to be a constant reminder to pray for your church. To pray, and to pray what? Specifically this, one, that God would unify our hearts. Ephesians 4, Acts 4.32, that we would be that church that had one heart 
and one mind. That we would move with vision and that we wouldn't be divided, that we would just be passionately working together towards this goal. That's what you would pray for. And the second thing is this, to pray that God provide through our decision to be generous the resources that would help us help others find and follow Jesus. And we'll talk about that later. And then the third thing is this, that God would motivate and move our hearts and hands toward doing our part so others can be a part. And over the summer, over these next few months, you're going to hear me talk about this, but basically it's this. Hey, do your part. Get involved. Serve in a team. Don't be just a consumer. Be a contributor. We want you to be part of this because you won't regret it. Look, Every day of your life, and sure, you can do eternal things in your everyday life, but listen, listen, most of you, most of you kind of go to your work and you kind of do this and, and listen, Sunday morning is the only time that you're probably involved in anything that's really life-giving, that actually is eternal. It's the place where you serve and you get credit in heaven and then the church gets credit in the world because of what you do. I stole that from a guy this weekend, said that. I was like, that's good. I'm going to use that this weekend. But when you serve, you get credit in heaven. And then here's the crazy thing. The church gets credit for being the bride of Christ in the world. And so I'm going to, we're going to ask you to do that. And I want you to pray about that. And so when your alarm goes off, beep, 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 beep. And I stole this idea from another one of my friends who's, who's trying to raise $200,000 between now and the end of the year with like a church of 200 people, Okay. And they're doing this, they're using the verse Acts 1.8. And so, my, and I know this because my sister-in-law, every day her, her alarm goes off at 108. And at first you're like, what is that? Like, she's like, oh, nothing. And then sooner or later she's like, well, it's this thing that we're doing and it's reminding us to pray. And, and now the funny thing is when we're with her, the phone rings. Guess who remembers that there's prayer needing to be had for Osseo Church in Nazarene? I do. And it works. Whatever it takes for you. That's one of the things I'm going to suggest. I'm going to do it. You can join me. And let's begin to pray every single day that God would do these things. And then here's the second thing. We want to raise $25,000 between now and September. And so this is above and beyond our regular giving that sustains what we continually do. And, and honestly, if you do the math, if you're a math person, you know, it, it comes out to be about $360 per person over four months. $360 per person over four months. That's less than $100 a month. That's $292, that's $2, not $2.93 a day, okay? Don't make me breast, uh, bust out the, you know, the, the, the poor child look, you know, for $2.93 a day, you can support this child. <laughs> you know, the, the bloated belly, you know. Hmm. I'll send you a letter if that's what works. I'll keep you updated on how I'm doing if that works. I'll let you put a picture on your refrigerator, is that Okay. Listen, we can do this, can't we? Two hundred nine. This is we could do this. And some of you, some of you look at you know three sixty over four months, and you're going, I was just waiting for someone to ask. I can actually do more than that. And so today you can give, or 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 maybe you're like, I don't know, but I believe God for it. And you can make a pledge today. And so in, inside of each of your of your folders, you'll find a little pledge card. There's a little pledge card. And, and it, there's a little tear-off, and you can put the little magnet on your refrigerator. You can go ahead and pull that out now and take a look at it. And, and I want you to pledge, and I want you to make a pledge to be a part of this. I want you to make a pledge to be a part of this, and I'll tell you why. And this is what you're going to be a part of, just so you know. Um, what we're going to be doing with this 25000 because you should know, is this. We're going to be doing what we know works for reaching people in our community, which is simply this. It's direct mail. 
We're going to do a direct mailer. And this will help provide for direct mail for the year. And each mailer, uh, just so you get the little statistics, because I know some of you like this kind of stuff. You know, we we usually send about 44,000 saturated mailers to homes, which usually costs about $7,000, which is about, uh, which means every $400 means you're inviting 2,500 people to visit Clarity, okay? And, and no matter what you feel about direct mail, direct mail is a tangible way of letting the community know that we are here. It's one of the ways that we can work together to actually let the community know that we are here. And, and uh, specifically, we're going to be inviting people to our fall, fall launch, which is on September 18th, which will be, uh, September 18th will be followed by our birthday celebration, which is the next week after. And, 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 and we're going to be starting a new series on September 18th, and the birthday celebration is going to be awesome. We're already excited about it. We're going to be planning about it. You're going to not want to miss it. So we're going to do the work of getting people here September 18th. And when we get here, we're going to have a great new series. We're actually going to launch the fall series on a series on marriage. And then we're going to invite them to come back and, and party with us. And so we're just really expecting to see what God can do when we strategically do what we know works. We got 230 people to come here because we, we did mailers and we invited and we were excited. And so what if we did that? What if we did what we know works to gather people. Now, I know some people are oftentimes, you know, like, well, doesn't God go to his church? Now you're just all about the numbers. And I'm like, yes, it is true. God grows his church. God is the one who saves and who increasingly grows his church. But all throughout history, God uses his followers to gather people so that it can be told the message of the gospel so they can tangibly see the gospel be living in everyday life. And so this is just one of the ways that we're going to say, you know what? Yes, God, we're going to gather people. And so your giving will help support that. Second thing it'll do is it'll, it'll increase our kids' ministry resources. One of the things I'm going to just publicly say I'm sorry of is that, is that I have not publicly said, you know, our kids' ministry is great, but I have not cast a, a wide enough vision, especially we're in Plymouth. Do you know how many families live in Plymouth? I don't even want to bore you with the statistics on that. But no longer am I going to ignore the fact that our kids' ministry is one of the greatest ways we can help families engage in the gospel. And so we have a great vision for how we're going to renew efforts in our kids' ministry area. And so uh, we're just going to resource that even better. We're going to, you know, do things like get our, each of our kids' ministry people like a shirt so like they look uniform. And so when a parent drops off their kid, they're like, hey, they're supposed to be here. They didn't ask them to, you know, see if they can help out 10 minutes later. And you know, just those little comfort things, and we're going to get them a name tag so the kids know where they're are and the parents can t- and so we're just gonna we're just gonna make it fun we're gonna theme out the room and all that kind of stuff and so we're really excited about maybe some of the vision things we have but it's gonna cost some money and we, we want to do that isn't it worth it for our kids to be involved in something that's remarkable and memorable so that they can look at sunday as one of the most exciting weeks of their week that's what we want to do we want to create an environment for that to happen and it just so happens that every week we talk about the gospel we talk about who jesus is and we point kids towards placing their hope and trust in Jesus. And so, would you help us do that? Do it, if not for me, do it for the children. (laughs) And then the other thing we want to do is this. It's really simple. Just signage update. Uh, One, if you're involved with helping out, tearing down or setting up, you know our signage is starting to slowly break down. But another thing is, people don't know where we are. Have you ever tried to ask anyone to visit us? Or maybe you 
ask someone how to get to Kimberly Lane. And here's how the story goes. Hey, uh, come to my church. All right, okay, uh, where, do you, where do you go to church? Uh, uh, Clar- Clarity Church. Well, that's kind of a weird church name, and, well, but sure, I'll go with you. Uh, where's that? Kimberly Lane Elementary School. Oh, I never heard of that. Where's that at? Well, it's off of Old Rockford Road. Old Rockford Road? I don't know where Old Rockford Road is. I know where Rockford Road is. Well, it's kind of like, you know, north of Rockford. You know where Vicksburg is? Oh, Vicksburg. Oh, you're telling me someplace I know now. Well, what you do is you kind of go north on Vicksburg, then you may left on Old Rockford Old Rockford Road. I don't know where Old Rockford Road is. Well, you find it, and you just make a turn there, and there's a church thing in there, and then you make a left, and then you kind of go, and you have to go through a stop sign, and then you kind of pass this, this, this golf course on the, on the right. This is a golf course? In Plymouth? Yeah, there's a golf course in Plymouth, and then finally, eventually, you'll, you'll see the school on the left, but don't pass by it, because then you'll get to the, like the, the, the peony lane, and that's the conversation. I don't know what conversations you've had every time I've tried to invite someone. Um, and so, we want to we make it easier for people to find us. We just want to make it easier for people to find us. And then w- once they get here, uh, we want to make it easier for people to navigate our halls without anxiety. Have you ever been a visitor anywhere and walked into a, a church and all you want to do is find the bathrooms and you can't find it? It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Or maybe you have kids and you walk in and it's a great entryway, but you're like, I have no idea where our kids go. We just want to make everything clear. We want to help our visitors know where to park. We want to help our regular people to know where not to park. And we, we, want to, we just want to be clear. We want to, make, we want to make it easy for people to be with us. Now, so, prayer. Capital campaign. And in the fall, in August, we're going to be holding these night, uh, every week. You don't have to be part of it, but weekly, um, and we're still working out the logistics, but every week in August, we're going to be holding these worship, and, uh, worship prayer and strategy nights where we're going to come together, we're going to worship together. And for those of you who are part of the launch team, you remember what the launch meetings were like. We're going back. <laughs> Those were great times, weren't they? God did some really great things. It not only unified our hearts, but then it got us ready to do the work of what God called us to do. And God did a great thing through our faithfulness. Can't God do it again? I believe he can. And I want you to be involved. Some new faces who weren't there. You can join in the joy of knowing what it's like to start something out of nothing. That's what it means to help people go from death to life. From not following to following, to being disconnected, to being connected to Jesus. We want you to be a part of it. So what if we decided to place our hearts and our hands together and our resources together, not only because we felt like what we had was not ours but God's, but because we wanted to see the number of people who were disconnected from God in our community get smaller and smaller. Some of you remember a talk around the first year that I gave. Over 78,000 people just in the Plymouth and Maple Grove area by U.S. Census are non-religious adherents. That means they believe in jack squat. They're not even another religion. They're just not anything. I want to be part of seeing that number get smaller. Don't you? Don't you? And what would happen if we invited as many people in our community who are now strangers but invite them to our gathering so we can bless them with great music, great cafe, friendly faces, a free coffee mug and, you know, and all this kind of stuff and, then, and just bless them and tell them about the wonderful news of Jesus 
and how it relates to their everyday lives. And what if we did that? And we, what if we begin to invite them into our gathering in such a way that they became not only just strangers visiting, but they became friends? And what if some of those people who became friends eventually got connected in community and became almost like family members with us? And then what if those family members began to trust and believe in the gospel and they began to live life together on mission with God? I, I, think that would be, I think that would be doing what Jesus called us to do, which is to make disciples. Why would we not want to do that? I think now is the time. So we have a couple months ahead of us and we got a couple new series going on, but I wanted to announce today. Today is the beginning of this. And so... Some of you right now, you can go ahead and pull out that card and I'm going to give you some time. I want you to consider giving and giving an amount. And some of you don't know what to give yet. And you can always take that back and then put it maybe in, uh, in, in, in the offering baskets as they go through maybe next week or in a couple of weeks or so. But then one of the things that we're, we're going to do, you can, you can give, you can find information about that. If you give via CCB, it'll actually keep track of your pledge and then it'll actually let you know how much of our pledge is left over so you can know, you can, like, oh, I can see how much is left in the, to be pledged and all that kind of stuff. And um, remember, this is above and beyond. For some of you, you give. I'm going to ask you to give more. And some of you don't give at all. I'm going to say, hey, let's start. And you're going to tangibly, you're going to literally, whatever your hangups are, you're going to literally tangibly see this begin to take form. Your giving will be something that will actually be blessing people. And so... I'm going to ask you to do that. And then I'm going to ask you to pray. And here's the thing. God is building his church. He's building his church. I just want to be a part of it. Don't you? God is building his church. And I desperately want to be a part of it. And, and I can't do it without you. That's just plain and simple. I can't. I can't. And so this is me asking those of you who call Clarity home, would you join us? And so um, you're going to have some time. Uh, Jeff will come up here and give some announcements. But even now, if you, if you can, begin to, to take that card and then take a little, maybe the one with the magnet, put that in the refrigerator and remember to pray, remember, to, remember the commitment that you made. And let's see God begin to work with Clarity. Let me pray for you.